we're going, we don't need roads. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of After the Ending. It is the film podcast that never dies, even though maybe (laughs) some people would like it to. Uh, I don't actually have any proof of that. I just feel like there's got to be somebody out there who probably didn't like our show at some point, and they're kind of like, that can go away. But we're not going away. We are here, uh, and, and we are here to talk about movies and have some fun and you know, give you a little something different. So welcome. If you are listening, we are happy to have you, or if you're watching, uh, either or. So I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And uh, Phil. What's going on? What's exciting in, in your world? What's uh, what's what's the latest movie buzz that you're feeling? I don't know. Tell me something interesting. Oh, the movie buzz on the spot there. I know, put you on the spot. Sorry. Yeah. Come on, man. Uh, you're a professional podcaster at this point. You got to be ready to go at the drop of a hat. Well, Mike, there's been all sorts. Today, what dropped uh, was a trailer for a film based on The Grinch. Yeah, another one. At this time, it's turned into a slasher movie. It seems really? to be the new thing. Take mm-hmm. uh, classic kid stories. Some of them out to the public domain and then um, turn them into horror and slashes. So we've got a Winnie the Pooh one heading our way, and now we've got the Grinch. And the Grinch one is called the Mean One. Ah, cool, cool. You know, um, there, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. We also got a poster for a film called Cocaine Bear, <laughs> which is uh, based on a true story all about a, a bear in the wilderness who ended up coming across a, a, a drug. I'm not sure whether it was a crash plane full of cocaine. But it got right. hold of the cocaine, had a lot of it, and went bizarre. And it's it's Elizabeth wow. Banks is directing it, and it's got quite a good cast. So I don't know what the tone is going to be. I imagine it's yeah. going to be comedy. But, right, you know. that would make sense. It just seems that seems like an interesting choice for her to take on. Um, mm. All right, so there you go. Look at you, you delivered, Phil. Uh, okay. I was going to say that you mentioned those. Um, uh, the horror movies based on like kids things. There was one a couple of years ago. I don't know if we've ever talked about it all that much on the show called the banana splits movie uh, based on yeah, the banana know, splits yeah. TV show from when I was a kid, which is one of my favorite things in the world. And um, it was basically, they, they took them and did like kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese uh, kind of animatronics where they're so like, it was kind of neat because it doesn't like spoil your memories of the characters. Cause they're like animatronics, like a kid's TV show type of thing that sort of get, yeah, possessed yeah. or whatever, and they start killing people. Uh, it was actually really good, though. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. And there was a bunch of monkeys references in it, which I thought was interesting, like the group the monkeys, which I'm a big oh, yeah, fan of. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was kind of it was interesting, but I, I enjoyed that one. So I'm, I'm interested. I remember that. I had with... production values. It did. Yeah. It was definitely a, like yeah. a real film. It was Warner Brothers, I think, and uh, yeah, it yeah. was good stuff. So cool. That seems to be All a right. little trend which is building over the years. So let's let's yeah. see what else they'll do. Yeah, it could be some good ones. All right. Well, Phil, why don't you tell people what we are discussing in tonight's episode? We've got a couple of cool things on tap. Tell people what we got. We certainly have. We're going to be going after the ending of uh, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Yes. Which is turned as a 35 years old, is it? Uh, yes. Uh, no, 30. 30 years. It's the 30th. Yes, it's 30 not 1992. It's the 30th anniversary. Okay. Yeah, we're not that old yet. So yeah, right. we're going after the ending of that one. So, uh that's going to be fun. I'm also going to be talking about our top five murder mystery films or whodunits. 
yes. you want to put it. Yeah, I, what you want to do. I feel like it's good to call them murder mystery films in case somebody doesn't know what a whodunit is. But I feel like at this point, most people you know know what a whodunit is i even i i've got it i've got it ready to go in our ticker as a whodunit top five whodunits because i feel like we all kind of know those types of films you know but we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to it so yes, uh I'm, I'm excited that was a tough list for me i'm not gonna lie that was challenging yeah, just so many of them That's... yeah so many and there's a lot of good ones so i, I enjoy yeah, putting yeah. that together i'll be very curious to see how our lists match up on that this is another one of those ones where i feel like there could be a lot of overlap or there could be very little overlap depending on sort of your criteria, your tastes, what, you know, there was definitely some films that were like, well, this would easily go on here if I felt like it was a true whodunit, but I don't, so I'm leaving it off. So it'll be interesting to see how we line up on that. Yeah, 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 because it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. We might all have totally different films. I don't know. It, that's what I'm saying. It could be. Who knows what's going to happen? Anything can happen after the ending, guys. We are the most unpredictable film podcast on the internet. That is not true at all. We are very predictable. But I feel like there's a little juice and kind of throwing that out there. I feel like I'm trying to, I'm just trying, I'm juicing things up a little bit. There's, you know? there's always, there's always room for who knows what could happen. Right. Like, and who done it. Yeah. And now, now if we want to do like a pull quote, like the movie studios do, where they take like some, somebody who's like slams their film, but they pull out like three words that makes it sound good. We could pull out a quote. It would be an actual quote. And we could put after the ending, the most unpredictable podcast on the internet. And it would be like a real quote. So I feel it's like true. now it's on the record. Yeah. But it's like, it could be, we are the best podcast people have ever listened to. Yeah. Right. There you mm -hmm. go. See, right. Try the fish. Just apologize to any viewers. I keep noticing little stutters on my camera, so I'm not sure I had some uh, problems beforehand. I, so apologies if that's affecting anything. I'm not seeing it on my end so far. I haven't okay. noticed anyway, so that's good news. Okay. So all right. Well, let's get into the film then. We are going after the ending of Quentin Tarantino's debut movie, Reservoir Dogs. Uh before we get into it, Phil. How do you feel about Reservoir Dogs? Are you a fan uh, or are you not? I don't know because this is the most unpredictable show on the internet. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. Never heard of Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> don't even know what a film is. Right. So your ending is going to be wildly not related to the actual yeah, film. Some okay. kind of snowman and it's uh, mm. it's Peter Pan killing people. Okay. I like it. I like it. <laughs> no, uh, I love it. Reservoir Dogs. I remember going to see it with my dad when it first came mm. out. Uh okay. And it lived up to the hype. It was this film which nobody knew Quentin Tarantino at the time, but it showed it was somebody who loved film, had uh, spent a lot of time watching lots of different things. And it was just a great, it wasn't a heist movie, it was the aftermath of a heist movie, mm -hmm. which was a nice take as well. But it was it was iconic, brilliant soundtrack, it oozed that style and coolness. Uh, the whole calling them by, the, by colors, so you don't really get to know anything more about them apart from who they were at that moment. Yeah, uh, there's the ear cutting scene, which it always gets me that that gets so much. Uh, <laughs> so many people had to go at that, but you don't actually see it. Yep, I always like that pulls away. Yeah, but um, introduced uh, lots of different actors to the world. They've been in other stuff with Michael Madsen, Steve Buscemi, Tim Roth have been in stuff. All of the, Harvey Keitel is the most well known, I assume. Yeah. But uh, all these people who became familiar faces and I, I, iconic is probably the best word. But it's yeah, sure. I love it. What about you? Yeah, you know, I, I like it a lot, I'll say. I, I do I do enjoy it. I did not see it in theaters. You know, it was um I it was definitely 
you know, I, I wrote a review of it for my 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 um, home video column, which, of course, you can read on liveforfilm.com, uh, Phil's mm-hmm. website. And, uh, you know, because it's out on a new 4K Ultra HD, you know, edition this week. Um, and, you know, what I said about it was like, there's a movie that spawned a thousand college dorm posters, right? Like, yeah. uh, but it was mostly after Pulp Fiction, right? Like everybody after Pulp Fiction became this sensation. All us young film goer, you know, cinema geeks at the time kind of went back and were like, oh, he's got another film out. Uh, it's, I think it's impressive actually you saw it in theaters because I think most people can't say that. Like I definitely saw it on video because I, I wasn't really familiar with it before that. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things where it was like everybody saw Pulp Fiction, but only the cool people also saw reservoir dogs you know yeah. uh, at least that was the perception at the time um so uh but I, I do like it i mean i think it's it's it kind of falls in the middle for me in terms of uh quentin tarantino's films right it's not one of his best best movies for me personally um it's certainly not near the bottom of his films i, I find it quite enjoyable i like it a lot it's not like one i go back to over and over again um but it does what it does really well you know it takes this sort of single yeah. location thriller and makes it you know and just gets that whole quarantine tarantino thing with the, the dialogue and the music and the you know the arguing about you know silly inane things that are not really germane to the plot but help to develop the character that would become such a signature for him so um so yeah yeah i like it quite a bit and actually it's you know it's yeah we may have to do a top five quentin tarantino films at some point because i'm trying i was about to say where i think it might fall but i'm not sure until i'm not i'm not revealing that until uh until we actually sit down and look at it more carefully even though we're the most unpredictable show on the internet we're gonna (laughs) but but the soundtrack though i remember i had that on the cd and i played that over and over it was such a good soundtrack yeah, for There's sure. Stephen Wright being the DJ uh, all the way through. Really good. Right, right. Yeah. So, all right. Cool. Okay. Well, there we go. So that's Reservoir Dogs. Uh, and that's the end. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we do have our endings to get to. So let me take you guys through Reservoir Dogs then uh, before we tee up our ending endings. Uh, 1992, Reservoir Dogs, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. It was his first film, uh, starring Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi, and Michael Madsen. Um, now, I, I try to do this in a way that so people can kind of keep track of it, because the names are also similar. Um, so bear with me as I get through this a little bit. I try <laughs> to keep it pretty simple. Uh, so six gangsters, Mr. Brown, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Blue, Mr. Orange, and Mr. Pink. <clears throat> Excuse me pull off a diamond heist. Uh, Mr. White, played by Harvey Keitel, and Mr. Orange, played by Tim Roth, who has been shot, rendezvous with Mr. Pink, that's Steve Buscemi, at a warehouse owned by their mob boss, Joe Cabot. Mr. Pink thinks the job was a setup and that the police were waiting for them. We learn that Mr. Brown is dead, Mr. Blue and Mr. Blonde are missing, and that Mr. Blonde killed several people during the heist. Everyone starts arguing, but then Mr. Blonde shows up, and that's Michael Madsen who plays Mr. Blonde, uh, with a cop as a hostage. The mob boss's son, nice guy Eddie, shows up, and he goes with Mr. White and Mr. Pink to get the diamonds. Mr. Blonde, Michael Madsen, tortures the cop for information, including that famous scene cutting off his ear with a razor blade. Before he can kill the cop, though, Mr. Orange shoots and kills him and reveals that he's an undercover cop. When everybody returns, we learn that Mr. Blue has been killed by the cops, And then Eddie and Joe, Eddie, 
is uh, Eddie is there. Eddie shoots the cop and kills him and suspects Mr. Orange of being a cop. But Mr. White sticks up for Mr. Orange. Then Joe, the mob boss, shows up and things kind of end up in this tense standoff, a Mexican standoff. Everybody shoots at the same time. Joe and Eddie are hit and killed. Mr. White and Mr. Orange are both injured, you know, getting shot. Mr. Pink tries to flee with the diamonds, but is apprehended by the arriving police. And a dying Mr. Orange confesses to Mr. White that he was a cop. And as the cops rush in, they shoot Mr. White. That I don't know how clear that was, but hopefully this is just a refresher for people who have yeah. already seen the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, that's not going to really tell you what it's all about. You yeah. got to watch the movie to really get it. So hopefully that was just kind of a refresher. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, all right. I believe it's my turn to kick things off. I'm yes, not I believe it is. So, uh, right. see what you've got. Okay. Here we go. Eight months later, Mr. Pink is on trial for the Diamond Heist. Again, Mr. Pink, Steve Buscemi. I just feel like, you know, just give you guys a visual. Mr. Pink tries to get his lawyer to bribe the judge. It turns out that he had hidden the diamonds from the heist in two different places, and he still had several million dollars worth of diamonds hidden away in a place that only he knows. But his lawyer won't go for it, and Mr. Pink fears he's going to go to jail for so long that by the time he gets out, he won't be able to spend any of the money because he'll be too old. Then one night, he finds a note in his cell. It reads, I can get the judge on your side for half the diamonds. If you agree, wear a pink necktie to the trial tomorrow. Mr. Pink is desperate at this point, so he does as instructed and wears the pink necktie. But nothing happens that day, or the next day, or the day after that. Mr. Pink doesn't know what somebody would have to gain by pretending to help him, since he knows he wouldn't reveal the diamonds' whereabouts unless he was free. But suddenly, right before closing arguments, the judge declares a mistrial on a technicality, and Mr. Pink is set free. Out on the streets for the first time in eight months, Pink isn't even quite sure what to do with himself. Before he can take a minute to think, a car pulls up, <clears throat> and a voice from inside says, Get in. Mr. Pink opens the door and is shocked to see the previously believed dead Mr. Blue behind the wheel. Ooh. I thought you were dead, Mr. Pink exclaims. Close to it, Mr. Blue replies. The cop shot me, but I ended up escaping. A doctor pal of mine sewed me up, and I've been laying low and recuperating ever since. But I knew when I read the news about your trial that we got more diamonds than what they were reporting. That was a smart play. So where are they? Mr. Pink looks at Mr. Blue warily and says, how about we go get them together? I think I'll feel a little safer that way. They drive off to retrieve the diamonds, and as the sounds of an obscure 70s classic rock song play on the radio, Mr. Pink and Mr. Blue get into an involved discussion about breakfast cereals, Gilligan's Island, and which one of the Beatles was most <laughs> likely to have murdered someone. And that's the end. Oh, excellent. I like that. Mr. Blue survived. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, well, we never, see, as I recall, we don't see him die. He only is reported dead by by Joe, the mob boss. So I figured there's a good chance he just thought he died. But yeah, yeah, you know, I had to work in a, a totally non sequitur conversation about you know pop culture related things. So just <laughs> to, to live up to the Quentin Tarantino esqueness of it. So uh, there you go. So that's my ending. Brilliant. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right, let's hear what you got then, Phil. It's your time. Take us after the ending of Reservoir Dogs. Okay, six years. Six years ah. in prison. He knew being lucky getting out of that warehouse alive, but six years sucked. Sure, it could have been longer, but he kept his head down and he had a good lawyer. Plus, he no longer had to be called Mr. Pink ever again. He'd, he'd made a deal and helped the authorities by giving details on the Gecko Brothers, or on the Gecko Brothers' whereabouts, and he'd spoken to an ATF agent called Ray Nicolette about money being smuggled from Mexico. 
Uh, he, he thinks an old colleague called Beaumont Livingstone was involved in that. So what if it meant Beaumont or the geckos would get busted? Screw them, he thought. He lost six years of his life, and now he had to pretend to be Buddy Holly in the Jackrabbit Slim's restaurant. <laughs> Couldn't believe how poorly people tipped. The money sucked. At least he was free, and his parole officer was an easygoing guy. He only had to deal with customers for another few weeks as he had a proper job in the works, a real job. His old friend Bud had put him in touch with a Swedish guy called Geyer or Gary or Grund or something. He was meant to be good muscle and was apparently some good jobs going on in North Dakota. It'd be cold, but it'd be away from anyone he knew. He'd even convinced uh, Mike McKay to drive him there. Mike owed him big time and he'd been wanting to show off his tricked out car for ages. Things were finally going his way, thought Carl Showalter, as he uh, showed the couple to their booth. The man's black suit and tie reminded him of the heist that had put him away. But at least he wasn't dead. And that's my after the ending of Reservoir Dogs. Very nice. All right. So you went through the, the entire Quentin Tarantino universe uh, there. With a few, a few, with a few other too. ones mixed in, I like it. I like it. So okay, so let me let me see if I, I now I know I missed one or two, um, but let me let me double let me check myself on that. So um, <laughs> now I got to remember them all. I know that the um, that we had a reference to the Pulp Fiction with um, the no wait Gecko Brothers was from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, yeah, Dust Till Dawn, right? Uh, Pulp Fiction we mentioned, but right um, that was, was that and being Woody Pulp Pulp in, the, in the restaurant. That Buddy Holly right in the restaurant. Um, the the Fargo I picked up on in there, right? Yeah, that's where he that ends up. So we know what happens to him in the end of Fargo. So. Um, obviously, he's the waiter at the restaurant in Pulp Fiction at, with Pumpkin and Honey Buddy coming in, right? Mm -hmm. At the end? That's right. Okay, I didn't... Um, so does the name, the Howard Showalter or whatever, is that something you made up or does that tie in somehow that I don't recognize? Uh, Carl Showalter is uh, the character Steve Buscemi played in Fargo. Okay, that's okay. That one, and then there's somebody in the beginning, early on, yeah, which I suspect might be Jackie Brown. Are, yeah, Jackie Brown. Yeah, Ray Nicolette okay. was the uh, Michael Keaton character. Okay, and what was? And there's somebody else with a longer name. Uh, Beaumont Livingstone. That was Ray Nicolette's uh, contact. Okay, was, okay, and that was so. That was also from Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Did I miss anything? No, that was all of them. I think. All right, nicely done. Nicely done. Well played, sir. Okay, I enjoyed what's... that quite a bit. I like the way you tied it to the ending of, of, of you know, tied the ending of that to the beginning of Pulp Fiction. There's a nice little, like, connective tissue because, you know, one first film, second film, and then you have yeah. your ending and their ending. So they, they matched up nicely. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well done. So there you go. Those are our endings for after the endings for Reservoir Dogs. Uh, a great film. Definitely worth seeing. If you haven't seen it, I guess most people probably have by now, but definitely worth revisiting. 30th anniversary. There's a new 4K edition. It's got a digital copy, which is great if you if you're a digital library guy like myself and and Phil. I think you are too, Phil, right? Yeah, I've got some. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there you go. Alrighty, moving right along. Then we are going to because we're the most unpredictable show on the internet. We're going to do the same exact thing we do every week, uh, every episode, <laughs> which is move on to our five. And today we are doing our top five whodunits. Now, Phil, done it to really explain it clearly to people. So, why don't you tell people what you what you have for that? Okay. Well, a whodunit is a complex, plot-driven variety of detective fiction in which the puzzle regard in which the puzzle regarding who committed the crime is the main focus of the plot. 
So there you go. I we do this because uh, we've got Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Uh, I think it's in it's in cinemas now, but it's going to be on Netflix on the twenty third of December. But that's all. If you've seen the first Knives Out, you know that you know what it is. It's a murder mystery, and it's got uh, by Ryan Johnson, and it's got Daniel Craig playing a detective who's dealing with lots of crazy weird people trying to get to the bottom of it. But that's kind of what. Well, it's not what inspired this, but it's a nice tie into what's going on. But right. I mean, yeah. it, it could be what inspired it. You don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> I mean, never know unless yeah. one of us is you a master detective. You don't, you don't know what was going through my head when I suggested it. So maybe I really was thinking about <laughs> Knives Out, right? I mean, maybe I just won't tell you. Yeah, you're bluffing. Because oh. that's something they would do on a predictable podcast. But on the most unpredictable show on the internet, <laughs> I won't tell you whether I was thinking about that or not. We'll never know. <laughs> All right. Um, so. So I think that's a good a good um, a good description. So with that in mind, did you have any um, any criteria you kind of use sort of in, in whittling whittling that down your your list? Well, I was focusing more on uh, the murder element, although as, as the definition of it, it could it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It can be a big crime, and somebody, and also it doesn't have to be an actual detective. It can be an ordinary person trying. It's basically somebody trying to figure out. Who committed the crime mm-hmm. and that's what following the investigation or how they're looking into it but i personally for this one went for uh looked at murders it involved a murder in some way and i think that was pretty much it i didn't i mean there's because there's lots of various they've been going for years murder mysteries like tv shows are often mm-hmm. like an easy easy kind of thing well or very popular easy to do and very popular they're always we see so many police procedural sure, TV yeah. shows. Right. There's always yeah. out there. But there's so many to choose from over such a wide range of film and, and history and stuff. But uh, I, I've i got a bit of a mix of, through the years. But on the whole, I just went, if somebody dies and I enjoyed the film and there's people trying to figure out what happened, that was right, kind right. of Okay. All right. So this is where I feel like our list might diverge a little because of that. Um, and I don't know. Maybe not. But like, so for me... Uh, yeah, obviously that was the, all of those things were, I, were things I looked at too. I tried to focus on on movies that had a detective or a police officer, somebody investigating the crime, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I tried to stay away from stuff that really veered into other genres. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. So I, I don't. I'm trying to spoil. I won't hopefully spoil anything because as people who listen to the show regularly know, we don't know each other's lists ahead of time. But when I was looking through, the, you know, the, the list of all the kind of you know whodunits that are out there and things like that, I kept seeing certain movies come up, and like one of them was like Scream, and like you know Scream, yeah, because you don't know the identity of the killer until the end. But yeah, yeah. And they are trying to solve the mystery, but it's a slasher film, right? Like plain and simply, it is a slasher film. It fits into the slasher genre for me. And as much as I love Scream, it would probably be like number one on my list. If I included it here, I didn't include it because I don't see it as a whodunit, even though it is a whodunit, but it's not like a classic kind of whodunit, right? Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, the focus isn't, I mean, the mystery is a focus, but it's, it's a slasher movie, right? Um, There's a couple other ones that came up a lot that I saw that was like, yeah, that's just too far into another genre for me to um, to include it. So that was something that I used as a criteria. And again, this is, these, these are our lists, and this is why it keeps them interesting. So we'll see if we have yeah. some overlap or if we have some differences. Yeah, that's good because yeah, there were a few where you could look at them. I mean, because some of the Saw movies could be classed as a who yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple other ones. There was a science fiction one that came up a lot that I didn't include because it was too science fictiony for me. 
Uh, I mm-hmm. can't remember what it is now, but there's definitely a few that was just like, mm, I see where they're coming from, but it just doesn't work for me because it's a little too, um, too into some other kind of, uh, yeah. genre. Well, we can yeah. always do at the end. We'll do some, uh, yeah. some of the ones we thought, you know, the honorable mentions and things. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I definitely have some, some honorable mentions. Um, yeah. and you know, this is a list that could probably, uh, uh change, uh, if I did it again next week, but okay. Uh, I'm going to. I'm gonna. Sorry, well, go ahead. What? I'm just gonna say, there's hundreds of films to choose from, but also gonna say for any people watching us live on oh, Facebook yeah. and YouTube, you can leave comments uh, about what you think of the films you mentioned, anything you feel we sh- would be in your top five who done it, things like that. But you leave the comments, we'll see them, uh, and we'll be able to throw them up on the screen and respond to them if need be. Absolutely. All right. Okay, well, I'm going to kick things off this time, even though usually I would send it over to you to kick things off. But there's a reason for that. And that is because I have a number six today. So we're going to start there. And here's why. Okay, now we usually don't do this, right? We just keep our top five. If we need to make a tie, we make a tie. I'm starting with number six today. And it's a little more than honorable mention, but it kind of has to fall in number six. And here's why. It is 1945s and then there were none starring Walter Houston and Barry Fitzgerald based on the classic Agatha Christie novel. Now, here's the thing. I, I do like this film. It has been a long time since I've seen it. Not that long, but it's been quite a while. Uh, I do quite a bit enjoy it. It's such a different era of filmmaking. It is not, it's not a movie that I'm like, ah, I got to watch this over and over and over again. But it's a very influential movie for me in that I saw it when I was a pretty young kid because it's relatively tame. And it really was the first kind of whodunit murder mystery I ever saw. And it blew me away. Uh, it's, it's, you know, people dying one by one. Um, yeah. it's, 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 you know, it's kind of cre- almost created that formula that even slasher films later on did sort of mimic, right. With this whole, you know, yeah. kill people yeah. off one by one. and then there's this great twist at the end. And, you know, I, I love it for nostalgic reasons and because it really opened my eyes to this idea and when when I, there was the twist I remember just being blown away by it and all that but I don't know that it holds up as the greatest film on the list Do you know what I'm saying um, so it's it's a bit more than an honorable mention and I wanted to give it a little bit of do but it's not I couldn't put it above any of the other five films in terms of just you know sitting down watching them next to each other and going okay this film is better than that film now some of my choices may cause people to be like why not I don't like that movie but I don't care because it's my list so <laughs> That makes sense. It is a it is a, a classic, and it's probably it did inspire so many others, and it's been yeah. remade a few times. But it's there's been lots. Well, Scream owes a lot yep. to it. Yep, for sure. That and things yep. like that. But it's it's probably been the people who haven't actually seen that film or read the book, the Agatha Christie book, that's based on. Uh, I've probably seen that story play out in so many different films. And oh yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's Good my point. number six. Okay. Uh, we'll get into my our, our top five. So I'll let you. I'll throw it to you for your number five, and then we'll continue. How's that sound? Okay. So my, my number five is from 1988, and it's a remake, or yeah, remake of a 1950 film of the same name, which I haven't seen because then maybe that would have been on. But this one is DOA. Interesting. Stars, uh, Dennis, Dennis Quaid, Quaid. Ryan, Charlotte yeah. Rampling, yes, and it's it, this one is all about a man. Who uh, I, lo- I always remember watching that one. It's Dennis Quaid staggers into a, a police station and he goes, "I want to report a murder." And they go, "Well, who's murdered?" And he goes, "Me." And it turns out he's been poisoned. He gets into by the police. He's been poisoned by uh, by someone, and it's a poison which it's too late or it can't. There's no antidote for it, and he's going to die in a in a, a day or two. I can't remember the time frame, but he's then it's him trying to 
uncover the mystery of who's murdered him. And mm-hmm. um, I, I just always like that concept. It's the victim is is the detective trying to find out who the who the killer is, and it goes through. It's a very eighties film, uh, but it's 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 got that it's a, a, a noir kind of thing, but from nineteen eighty eight and Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan at the time. Uh, you know they've done in a space and everything. They've done funny things together, but this one was a proper thriller. Uh, and because he, he's got, he knows he's dying and he's gonna die, and he just wants to find out, get to the bottom of it. He's got nothing to lose, so he's going all out uh, to find out what happens. And it's just, I just remember lots of twists and turns, mm-hmm. some action sequences, uh, great supporting cast, kept you guessing. I mean, it, it's been years since I've seen it, but it always stayed with me, and I can't quite remember how. Who did it again? So I must, I must watch it again. But I remember yeah. the time going oh, when you do find out, going, "Oh my God, it was them." That's the reason why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and it's just yeah, great film. That's my number five. DOA. Great choice. I really like DOA actually. Um, I remember being fairly obsessed with it when I was young. Like and and like a really I, I watch it over and over. Yeah, because that concept is just so cool. Um, it's, I actually watched it like I'd say within the last year or so and, and it holds up pretty well actually I, I really enjoyed it quite a bit i have seen the original that it's based on and i know that common wisdom is that remakes are never as good as the originals um the original's good like it's definitely a solid film but it's very 1950 you know it doesn't it's it's good but i like the remake better you know what i mean yeah. the remake's a little it's it, the 1950 version is just a little slower moving you know what i mean the, the performances are a little more wooden you know it doesn't have the subtlety uh, not that the 88 version is particularly subtle but you know it's it's just that kind of one of those like 1950s movies where everyone sort of is like the square jawed you know yeah yeah dude whatever so it's it's worth watching and if you get to see it but it's not like oh this one's so much better you know uh the remake is, is perfectly fine so good choice good stuff yeah i like it didn't make my list but i i do i did enjoy it quite a bit yeah um okay so my number five is uh, a film from 2011. And I, I guess in a way there could be a spiritual tie, but I didn't I didn't really include two films. Uh, it's from 2011. It's The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo uh, starring uh, Daniel Craig and uh, Rooney Mara. Um, this is one where it is a remake of the Swedish film because it's based on the, the, the very famous Swedish novels. And I actually like the uh, original film quite a bit as well. Yeah. It's the one with uh, Numi Rapace. Um, but I, I think the it's funny to me how the the, the Daniel Craig version kind of disappeared a little bit. Like the it book was such a phenomenon, and then they made this big budget movie, and and David Fincher directing, and you got Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara and a great uh, supporting cast. Michael Nickfist is in there, and it just sort of fizzled. I think I made like a hundred million dollars very quietly, but like nobody was talking about it. It didn't get a sequel. It wasn't you know. I think everyone expected it to be this big blockbuster, and it wasn't. But I actually really enjoyed it. It's dark for sure. Um, you know, it's got some pretty adult stuff in it. Uh, but I think it's a really good movie with a really solid mystery. That's what I like about it is there is this very kind of complex mystery um, and these two kind of disparate characters that come together to solve it. But so even, and even though there's some of the sort of sensational, you know, sensationalist kind of R rated stuff in it, the heart of the story is this really intriguing mystery yeah. Um, yeah. in a world of people that is very different from what most of us live in. Um, and I actually I liked it quite a bit. I kept, I kept trying to find a reason not to include it on my list because I don't think it's a well-loved film, um, but it's a David Fincher movie and I'm never, upset about putting a David Fincher movie on my list either because he's one of my favorite directors so uh, ultimately I decided to include it and that's I think where it lands is perfect right at number five so that's the girl with the dragon tattoo good call yeah it's a, it's a very good film and it's yeah it's I mean I think years later they did another one 
with a different actress playing playing what's her name but it wasn't this it wasn't the sequel that we expected to that it was a different story involved in care wasn't it but but yeah that one anyway with the daniel craig one i remember i'm not sure what it was yeah but it did seem to just come and go didn't it yeah it really did and yeah. i don't know why yeah weird one, but a good call yeah uh, can i understand why it's on the list okay well my number four is a film i've mentioned a few times but it's from 1934 it's a comedy mystery based on some novels of the same name by dashiell hammett and it's the thin man i had a feeling this would be on your list yeah which stars it's william great. powell and Myrna Loy as nick and nora charles who basically just spend all the time going to having fancy meals drinking having witty banter but uh, he was a private detective uh, who is very successful? He's retired now, and he's married a wealthy heiress. And they've got a cute little dog, a wirehaired fox terrier called Asta. And the thin man uh, is not the name; is not the nickname of William Powell's character. Although I think it'd be changed. That, but the the task to find this missing man, and as, as they're investigating it, uh, a murders happen, and they have to investigate the murder as well. It's all tied in, uh, but it's just. It's one of those ones, those films from the 1930s, they just have that, that fast-paced banter, which uh, the Coen brothers did, you know, they honoured that very well in the Hudsucker Proxy, if you haven't seen these old films, but uh, the Hudsucker Proxy did that well with that, uh, what's it called, like the quick fire, a man, usually a man and a woman just having yeah. this cool repartee together, and it's like very funny, uh, the, the dog's really cute. The, dogs the rapid there. fire dialogue, the That's story. It, yeah, yeah. The, the banter, you know, the back, yeah, and back and forth. And it's just like, it's really fast, but it just, it's, you know, two equals who can, you just know that, you just know they're on the ball when they're doing that. But it's uh, it's a good little mystery as well. There's some good funny set pieces. It spawned lots of other of sequels and things, some based on the book, some not, but it's uh, worth checking out if you haven't. I, I still don't actually own it, so I've not seen it in years, but I need to uh, try and, I was looking at Blu-ray copies today I was doing mm. all this and they cost a fortune. Ah. But uh, yeah, The Thin Man from 1934. It's lots of fun. It's a good mystery. Uh, and yeah, it's one of those nice, it's of its time, but it's it's done really well. And it's yeah. uh, funny. And it spawned five sequels. So it was very popular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I like The Thin Man. That's a great choice. I, I did not include it on my list. Uh, I know you're, I know you're a big fan of it. I know you, I think you're more fond of it than I am, but I enjoy mm -hmm. it quite a bit. It's, it's a, it's a fun, good movie, good mystery, uh, excellent choice. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. So my number four is a tie. I did, I did get one in here. It is a tie and it is, it is a tie that is two, uh, Denzel Washington movies, actually. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and they are 1999's The Bone Collector and oh, yeah. 2003's Out of Time, um, which is not one of his most famous films. Um, now, Bone Collector, I almost didn't include because it is kind of also a serial killer movie, you know, type of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But I decided to let that go um, because I wanted, I like this, the symmetry of having a Denzel Washington double feature here. Uh, the Bone Collector, so he, in The Bone Collector, he's um, a police detective who's been paralyzed. So he's in bed. Angelina Jolie is like the rookie cop who goes out there and like kind of reports back the clues to him and stuff. And they together, they solve the crime, you know, and it's um, it's a really good mystery. And it's, it's, it's definitely along the vein of like one of those James Patterson movies, like, like, you know, Along Came a Spider or Kiss the Girls or one of those types of things. But it's, a, it's, it's, it's a very like, 
kind of 90s mystery action-y whodunit. Um, but that's probably why I like it, because I love those kinds of movies. But it's, it's a surprisingly good film. I watched it um, in the last year or two, and I thought it held up extremely well, actually. I, I really enjoyed it, because I, I had forgotten everything about it. I forgot who did it and everything. And I, I thought the mystery and the way they solve it and the clues and everything, it, it really works well. So I enjoyed that one. And then Out of Time is a is a, a pretty underrated Denzel film, in my opinion, actually. Uh, he plays like a small Florida town police chief, uh, and he's having an affair with a married woman. He steals money from the evidence locker to help her, oh, and yeah. then she ends up murdered, and then the feds get involved, and they're coming looking for that money, and he's trying to find the killer, get the money back, and avoid the feds and it's a really it's a stressful film to watch but in the most fun way because it's continually people looking for him and just about finding him and it's like every time you turn around it's like he's just running out of a place and they see him and he and then but they think he's running into the place as a cop and then like he like answers the phone before they can and then hangs up before they can see who it is and then he like steals the facts and it's like nope it's not here like it's all this stuff of him trying to kind of cover up this this crime and and solve this murder um, and again, both of these are probably a little bit outside of the traditional whodunit genre. They're, they're about as far as I reached. Um, but they're really great films. And I, I, I watched Out of Time a few months back, again, having forgotten everything about it. And I was really impressed by just what a taut thriller it is. But again, solid mystery at the core of it. A, a very much a whodunit, you know, with a, a, a kind of, you know, big reveal of who the killer is, you know, at the end of the film. Very classic formula. So uh, both of these, you know, Bone Collector was a big hit back in the day, but I bet people haven't seen it in a long time. Out of Time was not a big hit. Um, but they're both really worth revisiting, either if you've seen them or just watching them for the first time if you haven't. Yep, the Bone Collector, I remember watching a few times when I came out. I really yeah. enjoyed them. Yep. Uh, uh, and out of time, I've forgotten all about that until you mentioned it, but I have seen it. Yeah, well, I remember have, enjoying it. But I yeah, can't it, remember like I said, it. Yeah. No, and I think that's what's great is when you go back and rewatch it and and you don't remember the detail. So, yeah, I was really impressed with it. Oh, good call. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so we're up to my number three is, uh, is one from 1995. Uh, it's also directed by David yeah. Finch, but it's not the one you mentioned. It's a seven, which almost just almost okay. just outside the the criteria because it's almost horror, but it's a thriller, and it's about two detectives trying to find a serial killer. But it's they do yep. do a lot of detective work in it. Uh, uh, Morgan mm -hmm. Freeman's detective is old, an old school detective with a young hotshot Brad Pitt uh, in a city where it's never stopped raining. I'll always I'll always think of it as Gotham, that city. Right, um, right. You know. Batmanish, but uh, I, I do like this because you do you are following their investigation. Each crime, each murder victim reveals another part of the the mo of the murderer, uh, gives them more clues, and then when they realise that the murderer is actually playing with them, and the fact that the murderer reveals themselves partway through. I remember watching it going, and when you know Kevin Spacey's there, walks into the police station, and it's he's still going. Well, it's. How far into the film are we? We've still got all this time left. Where's it going to go from here? So it goes from them trying to find the murderer to finding the murderer, but then trying to understand what his exact motive is and things like that. But uh, mm -hmm. I just I just like this because I know it's bleak and it's dark and dour and bad things happen and it's it's shocking in places. But it, it's one of it's sometimes now and again you get films like that where whenever it's on, 
I can always just watch it from where, wherever it is and just sit and watch it because it just oozes atmosphere. And mm -hmm. David Fincher just does amazing things with the camera work. And you've got those amazing performances by all involved. Yeah, uh, yeah that's my number three. So seven came so close to being on my list. Honestly, it would be my number seven if I'd put it right above and then there were none. Um, maybe more, maybe higher. Uh, I almost did it as a tie with the girl with the dragon tattoo because like I've David, David Fincher double feature. Mm -hmm. I don't have two ties in a row. And, and he, ultimately why I didn't pick it was a couple of reasons. And I'm, I'm just, I'm nitpicking a little bit here, but I always like yeah. to explain my mentality. One is it, it, it almost veers into more of a horror film, even though it's not really a horror film, but yeah. it kind of is. Yeah. I think part of it for me was like, in a way, they don't really solve the crime, right? Like, Kevin Spacey turns himself in yeah, as yeah. opposed to them solving the crime. And it was like, they didn't figure out who done it. He told them who done it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so it was true, like, true, yeah. well, it is a who done it, but it was definitely like, I don't know. I felt it totally, it just felt a little bit different. But it, I really, I kept struggling and switching it out with the girl with the dragon tattoo. That yeah, I yeah. might like, I might think Seven is a better film, but I feel like, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is more of a traditional whodunit. You know, sometimes I get weird with my, with my, list and my criteria. I do have a fun story to tell about Seven, though. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, yeah. Because we're the most unpredictable show on the internet, see? People <laughs> are expecting a top five list. They didn't know I had a behind-the-scenes story about Seven. I was talking to a comic book writer at uh, a comic convention recently, um, and he is friends with Andrew Kevin Walker, I believe is the name, the guy who wrote Seven. And he was telling me the story of when the film got made that, you know, they got the, uh, you know, Sony, I think it was Sony, uh, you know, approved the script, the final version of the script in front of David Fincher. And Fincher said, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, let me see the first draft of the script. Let me see the script before the studio got involved. So they got Kevin, Andrew Kevin Walker's script to David Fincher. And he goes, that's the film I'm going to make. Oh, brilliant. Like the basically the studio kind of washed it, you know, watered it down and sanitized it a bit because you know, know that's a pretty extreme movie. And Fincher was kind of like, Yeah, maybe. Then he read the original version before they sanitized it, and he was like, Yep, that's that's the film I'm gonna make, and that's the movie apparently that we got. So, in case oh, you're wondering, like, how did this film get made? Because sometimes I ask myself that that's how Fincher basically was like, That's the one I'm gonna do, not not this watered down version. I thought that was a pretty cool story. I never that's really good to hear that, yeah, yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Thanks. Yeah. I wish I could take credit for it, but at least I can pass it. <laughs> All right. So my number three is a film that I am confident is going to be on your list. In fact, I would, man, I would bet a lot of money on this. I just, I think you have it higher than I do. And, and maybe, and I think that's just because you've been familiar with it a lot longer than I have. It is from 2005 and it is kiss, kiss, bang, bang. It almost made my list. That was no, my really. List. I can't okay. believe it. I know you love that film. I thought for sure. I do. I do love it. But yeah, it's all uh, right. It didn't quite make it. It was on. Okay. It was on for a while. This my list has gone through so many. Okay, that's fair. No, that's fair. That's cool. I'm glad it made all your right. list though. I'm glad I didn't actually bet all my money then. Uh, I really <laughs> thought it would be. That's two weeks in a row now. I've totally thought yeah. I had you nailed, and I didn't. Or two episodes in a row. Anyway, okay. So kiss, kiss, bang, bang. The the quick history. It's it's Robert Downey Jr. Val Kilmer. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Val Kilmer is a detective. Robert Downey Jr. is a, kind of a criminal playing, becoming an actor, becoming a detective. Um, and there is a murder mystery involved. And it's a Shane Black movie written and directed by Shane Black. So again, not as stylized dialogue as Quentin Tarantino, but probably second to, to Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and what's funny, Phil, you've mentioned this movie on the show several times yes, uh, because you're a big fan. I had never seen it. It is one of those movies that just always got away from me and I never watched it until about two weeks ago uh, when I finally saw it. Um, and I, and of course we, we texted about it cause I knew you'd be excited to know that I had seen it. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I think it's terrific. It is, is the so well-written it's got this great narration that kind of breaks the fourth wall. You know, Robert Downey Jr. And Val Kilmer are both terrific. Michelle Monaghan is in it and she's terrific. Um, also according to everybody on the internet's rules, kiss, kiss, bang, bang is a Christmas movie. Um, yeah, yeah. just so we're clear on that because if Die Hard's a Christmas movie, so I'll be watching bang, it next bang. one. Yeah. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it's it's great. It's a great detective mystery. It's a great whodunit. It's it fits all the classic molds of a whodunit. Um, and it's you know, so funny. Yeah, it is. It's very funny. A lot of humor. Uh, yeah. So I I really loved it. Here's what, what my here's my I have another funny story. Sort of. I've read about the film many many times. You know, yeah. um, never once in all the times when I was reading about it did it, in my head did I make the connection of gay. Gay Perry, the character of Gay Perry, yeah, like Gay Perry. I didn't. I never caught that joke until they said <laughs> it out loud. Because on paper, it just looks like, yeah, you know, it could be like Gay Bob, you know, or Gay Jim. It doesn't read as Gay Perry, like Gay Perry. You know what I mean? Um, so, 15, 16, 17 years, I've read about that movie, never picked up on that. And then the first time they said it out loud, <laughs> the movie, I'm like, oh, I get it, Gay Perry, right? <laughs> like, That's it. So Shane Black that was like I play, you know, playful words, word games and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, when you're reading a movie review and it's like, oh, Robert Downey Jr. plays this guy, and then Val Kilmer plays Gay Perry, and you're like, oh, he's just he's gay. You know, like I said, it could be like Gay Sam, you know, yeah, yeah. Gay Bobby, whatever. Like you just don't read it that way. So anyway, I thought you'd get a <laughs> kick out of that. Oh, but that's my number yeah. three. Uh, kiss, kiss, I'm bang, bang. So. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad it made your list. But as I say, went back and forth. And I can't remember why it didn't end up on my list. But sure. I think yeah, I was going to include it maybe because it was a nice guy as well, which I really like, but didn't quite make my list. But, but yeah, it was back and forth. But, sure, uh, I hear you. Maybe we could do another one at some point going top five food donuts after Christmas time. But, uh, <laughs> there are a couple. There probably are, yeah, yeah. Okay, my number two, though, uh, is uh, one from... Uh, about 2000 and it's directed by Christopher Nolan and it is Memento ah yeah 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 okay, where we right, have Guy right. Pearce trying to find the murder of his wife uh, but he's hampered by the fact he's got short term memory loss mm -hmm. short term yeah yeah. so every 15 minutes or so he forgets what's been going on so he's tattooed various things on his body all the clues he's picked up on on what happened to his but, but he remembers what happened up to the events which his wife died and things like that But and he got the uh, the damage to his memory, but he's got all these. I just love the whole setup as well, where he's just he finds these these uh, tattoos and it's explaining what, to him what's been going on and all that kind of thing. I love the fact it's it's a person who can't remember things is is a detective trying to find out what happened to who who the killer is, mm -hmm. and then as it goes on, it's all when you do find out right. who the killer is and what the reason is, it's you go and oh my god. And then you watch it all over again because you go on, I don't right. quite get it, but then you do. Because I love the fact that he's, he can't remember. And the whole thing is is uh, done backwards anyway. Or partly for, oh, I'm making a mess of explaining this. But anyway, if you see Memento, you know what. No, I know what you mean. It's a... Yeah. Yeah, because as well, if you get it on Blu-ray or the DVD, there's, a, there's an option where you can have it where it plays all chronologically. And it just doesn't have the same impact. 
because there's the black and white bits where he's in the hotel room and sort of play forward, but they're intercut with the bits where he's investigating now. Right, right. It's two things coming backwards. Oh my god, that's where he got tenant from. Uh, anyway, that's Christopher Nolan for you. But uh, I really like it. Great performances by Guy Pearce. Where you got what? Oh, tenant. Yeah, you know the two things going back and forward and meeting in the middle. But uh, Joey yep, Pants yep, is in it. Yep, it was good. Stephen Tobolowski, Carrie Moss. But it's a uh, great. I remember it's one of those ones where you first watch it and you're going, "What? Okay, I get it. Oh, I understand now." And it keeps changing and flipping. And you're going, "Well, they're a good guy. Oh, they're not a good guy." Yeah. The way it's constantly playing with the narrative and the characters, and you so you're just like in the same position as he is. It's a great way of showing it, but it's uh, it's really good, and it's also a really good detective thing where you. You are with mm-hmm. him trying to figure it out as well. Unlimited right. because we're only getting the information same as he is. But that's my number two. Great choice. Love it. Um, you know, I I love Memento. It's it's an amazing film. I'm a big fan of it. I didn't include it to it. it, it I, you know, it is a whodunit, obviously, but it didn't. Um, I don't know. It felt felt like a different kind of movie to me for some reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, this went back and forth on my list, but then I thought, no, because right. he's his whole reason is doing this detective work. Yeah. But it is different from the normal. Right. It, no, it totally, it totally fits. I it just, it in my head, you know what I mean? When I think of a whodunit, I, I have a very specific sort of formula, I guess, you know what I mean? And you know, like I said, I can get kind of weird with this stuff and that one for some reason I just didn't, it didn't, fit for me for yeah. you know for my criteria but i did think about it because it's such a great film so i'm glad you brought it up yeah good stuff glad you included it all right my number two then is uh the most recent film on this list and it is from 2019 and it was sort of part of the reason we're doing this list maybe uh it is knives out um and i know i was a little afraid of like people are gonna be like oh recency bias you know like it's just because it's a new one and you've seen it recently but you know what i've watched it a few times now because i really enjoy it and it holds up every time i i really really enjoy that film it's got a great cast it's well written the the mystery is fantastic with twists and turns left and right um Ana de Armas is in it, which is always a bonus. Chris Evans is in it. He's terrific. Like it's well written. Like the dialogue is, is, you know, snappy, you know, Ryan Johnson, who, who can be very hit or miss for me as a director, um, just nailed it. Just knocked it out of the park. And, and, and Daniel Craig, who I guess is on my list twice. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's just, so you think of him as this British James Bond and he comes in and plays this Benoit Blanc character. And he's got that accent, that sort of like deep fried Southern American accent. Oh, and you're just like, What's that? Foghorn Leghorn almost. Yeah, right, right, right. And it's, he's so out of, you know, it's such a different turn of character from, but he's so like, he just relishes it. He's so much fun in it. And, um, you know, they just give you all these juicy characters and you could easily believe any one of them could be, you know, behind everything. And the way it plays out, the way everything is revealed, there's a bit of a, uh, you know, not a twist twist, but just kind of like gets you thinking one thing and then some other things. And, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I think it's like, as with a lot of films, there are some great classic like whodunits that sometimes suffer a little bit from the time they were made. You know, like some of those classics from the. That's why I put in there, were, and when there, and then there were none where it is right because it's a great film, but it's you know it's got some. It's a little slow in places. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's got like that. It's that nineteen forty five style of acting. It's not. It's not like there's a ton of great cinematography going on. You know, but Knives Out is so stylized and so modern and so much fun that it, it really stood out for me. So uh, that is my number two knives out. 
Excellent. Well, my camera really is going funny now. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Well, for those of you who are watching, uh, this is because we're the most unpredictable show on the yeah. internet. You weren't expecting Phil to be having audio glitches like he's in Pulse or some Japanese horror movie about you know ghosts in the machine. But he is because we're unpredictable. So mm -hmm. I'm going to just keep on pounding this until it, until it takes, Phil. Well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll quickly get to my number one though, just in case. Yeah, if I don't I if I don't look at you, don't take it don't take it personally though. I don't want to get yeah. like you know, seasick. Uh, but uh, my number one is a film that I love. I've mentioned other things, but it's from 1954, and it is by Alfred Hitchcock, and it is Rear Window, where a man is uh, in his room. Because okay. again, I was, I was going. I kept coming back to this one. I was going, does it fit? And it, in the end, it does. It's it's a man who, well, first of all, it's a, a, a few ways he's trying to find. Uh, first of all, he thinks he saw a murder. And then it's the invest. Mm -hmm. He's, it's the mystery is was there actually a murder, and if so, how are they going to get the guy who did it? Uh, and and he's stuck in a room in a wheelchair with a broken leg. Uh, I just think it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant film in so many different ways. Brilliant performances by James Stewart and Grace Kelly. It's uh, Alfred Hitchcock. It's one of his one of his best ones in my opinion, and it's. I like the way it sort of it, it's it puts the whole who it's it basically twists the whole who done it. Whereas normally it's oh yeah somebody's died or somebody's missing, and we need to find out who the cause is. And this one it's basically, well, I can see that guy has been a bit funny. Has a, basically the investigation is has a murder taken place? Because every time he thinks oh yeah it has there's the proof. There's then something else comes up and going oh no his wife has gone away. Somebody saw here. There's this thing here. There's no proof. Uh, and it's just the way it builds and he, his first of all you even as a, a watcher you're watching James Stewart you're going well he's just a peeping Tom who's just paranoid like uh, some of his friends and, and colleagues are thinking that but then some of them get pulled into it as well because it starts making sense and it, it changes and then the dog disappears and then the stuff in the garden has been dug out and it's mm -hmm. just it's 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 a typical whodunit but it's done in a different way and it comes at it from the backwards side of things going well i think he's done something but we need to find out if he actually has or not and it's right. uh yeah that's why it's my number one for many different reasons but because it's just a bloody brilliant film it is a brilliant film it's one of my favorites i love it it did not make my list uh actually and and you can probably guess why uh because i didn't it didn't fit my criteria for, yeah, yeah. for who done it uh in that the main reason why is because we know who did it early on, right? The question isn't who done it. It's more how done it, you know yeah. what I mean? Or how prove it. Um, and so again, because there are so many of these films that I liked, I kind of got nitpicky because I was like, well, this will help me narrow it down. Right. Um, you know, rear window, one of my favorite movies, love rear window. I just felt like it was like, well, we know who done it early on. So it didn't quite fit. So I checked it off, but Un I love understandable Cause it does. I was like that going, well, well, no, does it? And then maybe then I thought, no, but it's my list. That's right. No, and, and, and I actually, you you clearly are able to sort of you like you picked it because it takes the whodunit formula and twists it on its side, right? Yeah, yeah. I rejected it because it takes because the whodunit it side, yeah, on its yeah. side, right? Like you obviously just think about your list sometimes. I think a little more broadly and more 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 open minded. Almost, I mm -hmm. I get a little bit stuck in my own. I set these criteria for myself that is only my own. Like nobody is telling yeah, me I can't do these. Uh, but then I once I once I decide on them, it's like I get really like 
tunnel vision almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that either one of those things is good or bad. I think it's just how we do our list. And it makes it interesting. Otherwise, we, you know, if we if because if I had included Rewindow, it probably would have been my number one and we would have the exact same list. Right. So I think, it's, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I think it can be fun to look at things differently, but it's just it is interesting that, you know, that's why it didn't it didn't make my list. But it's not because it's not an amazing film. So <laughs> well, come on. Then what is your all right? Movie? Great choice. All right, so my number one. Uh, now, I, I struggled a little bit with whether I thought this was a a true whodunit or not because it is kind of a cop movie and a noir film, but ultimately it is driven by this great murder mystery that it takes not one and not two, but Saul decided it would be on the list. It clearly number one is where it had to land, and it is 1997's L.A. Confidential. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Almost made my list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Russell Crowe, uh, Kevin Spacey, Guy Pierce, and a million other people, Kim Basinger, um, directed by Curtis Hansen. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it is this, you know, it all starts off with this murder in like this cafe, and then it leads to this whole kind of conspiracy of things. But ultimately, it is a classic detective story just told in this brilliant way that involves, you know, extra characters and, and bigger, you know, scope um and and you know some romance and things like that but uh at the heart of it is trying to figure out who killed these people and why uh and that drives the story again it's 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 not the most classic whodunit on my list but once i decided that it could fit into my weird little criteria uh be number because it's just amazing and it's one of those films where i watch it every few years and and for whatever reason Every time I watch it, I, I realize I've forgotten 90% of what happens in it. It's one of those That's films. That, with it. Yeah, yeah. Right. We've talked about it, I think, before, where I, I love it. It's one of my favorites, and I, I retain very little of it. And I, part of me thinks it's like something my brain does on purpose so that every time I watch it, I can enjoy it as if it's the first time I'm watching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's brilliant. It was never a big box office hit, did get some awards consideration. But uh, as always, I know a lot of people have seen it by now. But if you haven't seen LA Confidential, uh, it's, do yourself a favor. It's amazing. And you will love it. Yeah, so it that's my number cool. one. Yeah, looks gorgeous. But yeah, great pick. It's uh, yeah, almost made my list. It's yep. probably because I haven't seen it in a few years. It would, right, right. It, it didn't quite make it. But uh, yeah, some some excellent picks there. Yeah, so that. we didn't have any uh, overlap this no, time. No, 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 that's, I always enjoy that, you know. Um, yeah. Much as I like when we also agree on, you know, the same film at the same time. But it's nice to also get a wide range of movies for people to discover or rediscover, you know. So, so honorable mentions. You said you had a couple. What, what did you have? Well, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a few. I've got uh, Clue. Yeah. Yep. Didn't quite make it because it's more like a comedy, but uh, yeah. uh, the Maltese Falcon and the Big Sleep, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Angel Heart. But I thought that was oh, more okay. supernatural kind of thing right. as well. Yep. Uh, Blowout with John Travolta, Chinatown, yep. Hail Caesar. Uh, mm. Yeah, um, oh Zero Effect as well. Oh, okay. Um, ben Stiller. Yeah, That's yeah. more. It's, it's again. I hadn't seen that in a long time. But uh, yeah, and there's, there's hundreds more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, seven was definitely, like I said, the closest to getting on the list for sure. It, it almost was basically. Uh, Who framed Roger Rabbit? Um, yeah, which oh, I yeah. Think, yeah. You know, it, is it remains a weirdly underrated film uh, for some reason, but I, I do really like it. Um, just missed the cut basically zodiac was another one that i totally was gonna put on the list would have had a lot of david fincher on this list uh <laughs> if i had included that between seven and that and girl with dragon tattoo um but that one to me ended up more in like the true crime category right yeah, yeah. um 
and then they never actually they never actually solved who done it so it kind of felt weird um gone baby gone was one i thought about and yeah that almost uh, rope. Made my list. yeah that's a great film gone baby gone um the hitchcock film rope which i really really love but again we know who the murderers are in the beginning of the film so to me even yeah. though somebody has to figure it out it's it still didn't quite fit to me and then actually i really wanted to include this one uh it's i mentioned this film a couple months ago in one of our t last five films we watched it's called basic with uh, john travolta um oh, and it is a, it is a whodunit but it's kind of almost like a rashomon style whodunit with a, you know set like on a military base um but i i kept it was on my list and off my list and on my list and off my list and on my list and off the list and i i ended up just didn't want to leave any of the other films off and it is kind of more of like an action movie in some ways um but it's a it's a very little scene movie that i think is really good and deserving of some extra attention so um that one all Almost made it, but I couldn't quite justify it. <laughs> well, it's this is the kind of list we could probably do again in like a year's time, and it'd be all different. Yeah, right. Have all different films. So, all right, there we go. Uh, that is our top five whodunits. Nice job, Phil. I enjoyed those quite a bit. I did as well. Um, now, your camera looks much better, which is exciting to me because we're about to do our ATE recommends, and I would be weird if you were showing us things on camera and we couldn't see them. Uh, yes, I, so, I changed the resolution. That seems to have fixed it. All right, great. Um, so I'll let, since I kicked off the last two segments, then, uh, okay. and because we're the most unpredictable show on the internet, once again, we're going to do what we always do, which is switch off who starts. But why don't you go ahead and give us what recommendation or recommendations you have? Yes, I've got two things. One's a book and one's a game. The first one is a book called "We Are the Mutants." Yeah. We are the mutants. The battle for Hollywood from Rosemary's Baby to Lethal Weapon. Uh, and it's it's basically uh, it it looks at the uh, release of the history in uh, in America going from uh, Vietnam, uh, Ronald Reagan, and various different moments in American history, and then looks at some of the films. Each each chapter basically looks at two films which relate to that time period, and looks at how it relates to the the radical and revolutionary. Uh, hold on, what's it say? It's a timely and rousing appraisal of a well-worn narrative that the new Hollywood of the 60s and 70s was radical and revolutionary, while the post-Star Wars cultural landscape of the 80s was reactionary and facile. In fact, the reverse was just as true. It sounds a bit, you know, uh, heavy, heavy duty, but it's each one has been very well. Each chapter is extremely well written. It's very readable. Uh, it delves into the films, looks at them in different ways, gives you little snippets going on behind the scenes and, and what was possibly influencing society as a whole in america to make that film become popular cool. Uh, cool i don't always agree with it but on the whole it's a very well uh thought out and a great book so that's we are the mutants by uh repeater yeah repeater by the looks of it repeaterbooks.com and the second one is uh it's a it's a board game it is Another one in the Unmatched series. This is, there's already been a Jurassic Park one, but this is a, the new one, which features Dr. Sattler versus the T-Rex. And if you've played Unmatched before, you know the main character you have often has a sidekick, and this one, the sidekick, is Dr. Ian Malcolm. But Unmatched is basically uh, asymmetrical game uh, characters, uh, one against one. In this case, obviously, T-Rex versus Dr. Sattler, but you can take any character from one unmatched game and played against another right, character. Okay. It's really good. And 
the mini that comes with it is this T-Rex. Oh, nice. That's awesome. And it's, it's got it. like this uh, ink paint on it, so it's got some definition on it, but it's it's also good. I'm going to be using it in role-playing games as a mini on the table, but look at that. But that's unmatched Jurassic Park. Cool. Yeah. There's the back. I have yet to play an unmatched game, but I've heard of them, and I've heard about how you can switch the characters from one to the other, and I really like that. Oh, it's uh, really good. There's so I many good. This one's by Restoration Games and Mondo, but I've got a I've got a set which includes with four play four characters, sorry, and it's got Simbad, King Arthur, uh, Alice, Malice in Wonderland, and the Medusa. Mm. And a friend of mine's got one called Cobble and Fog, which features Dracula, the Invisible Man, Sherlock Holmes, and. Somebody else. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. And there's also various ones based on Marvel with Ghost Rider, right. Devil. There's Robin Hood, Bigfoot, Bruce Lee. But yeah, Very Bigfoot. Cool. And yeah, that's uh, that's what I got. Love it. All right. Well, I have two as well. Uh, let me see if I can do this here. So the first one, now I mentioned at the start of the show when I talked about the Man of Splits movie um, that I'm a big Monkeys fan and then it was kind of ironic timing because my first recommendation is actually a Monkeys product and I'm trying to get the screen to show. There we go. Okay. Uh, and so it is this brand new deluxe box set for disc box set called monkeys headquarters but here's the thing so rhino records um put out these super deluxe versions like four disc versions of almost all of the monkeys albums and they they are always very limited and they sell out uh, and then they sell on ebay for usually upwards of like four or five six hundred dollars because they're they're really rare um and so the headquarters one came out a long time ago and um is now one of those like $500 box sets. This is a brand new one they put out that is, is slightly different. So not the exact, not the same as the original, but they had so much material yeah. from these sessions that there's four discs. It's like the album, bunch of B-sides, like disc two is mostly like like backing and, and tracks and wow. like studio tracks. Then it goes into like demos, a million different like demos and alternate takes and alternate vocals and all that kind of stuff. So it's, I mean, it's a deep dive, but you know, you yeah, open yeah. it up, it's got this beautiful book um, all oh, about the recording sessions and the nice liner notes. It's got a, a seven inch single in there, uh, a vinyl single and everything. Um, and, you know, as somebody I missed almost all of the, the box sets that came out originally. Uh, I just wasn't really aware of them because they were kind of a niche thing. I have yeah. one uh, and that's it. Um, and so now I have two and I'm very excited about it because I love the monkeys and uh, I just really dig these box sets and all the, you know, um, extra things they're not things you listen to all the time but it's kind of a neat deep dive into a, a great album i like to read the book and everything so i'm glad they did that even though it's not this is not exact same as the original but i don't really care because yeah it's, it looks it, nice and substantial yeah. as well yeah it's really a nice got a nice soft feel to it like it's a it's a high quality set so i really i really dig that my other recommendation uh if you can still find them in stores i think they're they're at target stores it's i think it's a target exclusive i'm not sure about in the uk where it might be available but uh it's an action figure which you guys know i don't do a lot of but it is the usagi ojimbo oh, nice. uh, action figure from the ninja turtles line from NECA. um and so what's great about this now i don't buy a ton of action figures and i find they're a little expensive these days but this usagi uh is based on the animated and it is the the detail on it and the way they oh, make wow. it look like the cartoon with that like kind of cell shading look is so impressive. Um, I just, I saw it and I, I saw people posting it in some of the Usagi groups on Facebook and I was like, well, I'm clearly never going to find one of these. Cause you know, 
they're going to disappear. And then I walked into Target one day and they had like six of them. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a sign from the universe. Uh, and I looked at it up close and I was like, it's even more beautiful up close. Um, and so I, I had to get it. So if you're an Usagi fan or a Turtles fan and you yeah. like him from the Turtles cartoon, uh, I think you can still find them at certain targets. It's a really just a, one of the best figures I've seen in a long time. Happy to say my friend Paul Harding uh who's a sculptor who sculpted so many toys and statues that you guys have all seen uh he sculpted this one i didn't even know that actually when i bought it uh then i ran into him at one of the local conventions that he's always at with me and um uh i saw he had it on his table i was like you sculpted that and he's like i did so that makes it even more special so paul he's a pretty well-known name in the the sculpting field so anybody people listening might recognize that but uh yeah if you're a fan definitely it's it's a beautiful figure and i I don't recommend figures lightly, but it's definitely worth getting. So, yeah, look, that looks really nice. I always like that character anyway, and the character yeah. design is always one of my favorites. Yep, yeah, I'm a big it's fan. Really... I've been reading the comic for decades, and um, yeah. I love them. And it's just such a, a great figure. So, there we go. Okay. Nice. All right. Nice things. Yeah, great. Okay, so that is going to start to wrap us up a little bit. Uh, before we go, uh, we're going to tease our next episode for you guys because it's going to be our final episode of the year. Not our final episode. That really would make this unpredictable. Uh, but our final episode of the year, um, as you guys, uh, if you're a regular listener, a long-time listener, as you know, we always like to do a, a holiday-slash-Christmas episode, themed episode. So we're going to do uh, an after-the-ending for a Christmas movie, yet to be determined, but we will come up with a good one. Uh, we will do a... Um, a top five uh, Christmas themed list, probably about certain some, some kind of Christmas or holiday yeah, movies. Yeah. I'm sort of, we'll figure that out too, but it'll be a nice, uh, you know, holiday Christmas cheer episode. We'll be in a good mood. We might have some, you know, I don't know, Santa things going on or whatever, jingling it's some safe. bells. Who knows what? Um, but uh, we always have a really fun time doing our holiday themed episodes, like our Halloween episodes, our, our Christmas episodes. Um, so we'll be dropping that in a couple of weeks. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah. Um, so if you have any suggestions as well for Christmas, yes. you can always drop us leave a comment wherever you're watching or listening yeah. to this. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, if you have any. Yeah, lots of ideas for that. And any Christmas films, any maybe unusual Christmas films? which is still Christmas films. Yeah. Uh, but if you go back and yeah, look at it... Yeah, but not, not usual enough that people haven't seen it, you know, but if you... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something uh, that, that you would like us to go after the ending. Things like Jingle All The Way and uh, Miracle on Thave. Yeah, what's the, uh, what's the name? Yeah, Miracle, Miracle on 34th Street, Street, yeah. Yeah, the 34th Street, yeah, and uh, a few others, but there's plenty out there. Yeah, but for yeah, sure. Uh, no, we've done Elf. Oh, we did Elf, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, so we've done a, we've done a few, we've done a few, but there's more to be had. So definitely uh, yeah. send us some suggestions. All right, so that's going to wrap us up. Then we've been going on long enough, um, and so very unpredictably, we're going to go ahead and end this episode. Now, what would be unpredictable was if we started to do like our outro or just whatever, and I just hit like stop, and we stopped recording, and it just <laughs> ended abruptly. Like we didn't even do an outro, and we were just like, so that's going to wrap us up, click, and it was just silent and black, like, no, you know, that would be unpredictable, but I'm not going to do that. Um, oh, what, because... what are we, this could be unpredictable, though, this could be a first, so so thanks everybody for watching, we really appreciate it, thanks for listening, uh, as always, I'm Phil Edwards, and I'm Mike Spring, and we'll see you next time. After the ending. I don't think you can do any better than that, Phil, nice job. There we go. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>